before we get started, uh, I'm going to take just a minute to say that in the exact same week that YouTube created a special ultra weird black and red diamond medal to give to PewDiePie, <laughs> he decided to not give a whole bunch of money to an anti-defamation charity because his audience didn't like that he was giving that money to Jewish people. What if he's bad, actually? What if he's bad, right? Like, Has anyone considered ha- it? Was this if ever a question? If only there had been signs. Like, what if you cultivate an audience that gets mad at you for doing nice things? Does that make you a bad person? I think yes. You know, I think it might. I think it might. Yeah. Anytime anything ever comes up regarding PewDiePie, I am reminded uh, of an article written by the satire site The Hard Times. I love The Hard Times. Uh, the article itself is uh, not super important, like most satire sites, but the title reads, PewDiePie apologizes for accidentally promoting alt-right figure PewDiePie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that just just keeps buzzing in the back of my head regarding this. So that's that's all I really wanted to say about it, was that it's great that that happened in the exact same week. Uh, and um, he's going to get that weird... It's also just a weird award. The award that YouTube made for him and um, was it K Street? Is that the the name of the or is it Q Street? I messed that up. There's another YouTube channel that has uh, like a billion followers. That's like the two things that they were competing for to see who had the most followers. And they made a special award for him for them. Each of them got one. And it's like this uh, it's like this weird Vanta black metal. Uh, thing that doesn't quite look like the YouTube play button. All of the awards for YouTube look like the YouTube play button. Uh, but this one like doesn't. It just looks like this weird geometric thing uh, that's like super, super dark black. And then this this deep red that looks really awful on the black uh, gem that is shaped like a play button that goes over top of it that instead of looking like a play button is also kind of oddly geometric. Uh, so cool. <laughs> um, well, you know. Nothing about... <laughs> either of these stories makes me happy well you know youtube has never been particularly uh mindful of the fact that they promote basically hate speech because it's all the algorithm and pewdiepie brings them in a it's lot of money they make money off of it yeah tons and tons and tons of money off of it it's super cool and now he's got a shiny award to not feel bad about not giving money to people because his audience didn't like it. Everything is cool. There's definitely nothing fine, nothing wrong with either of these stories. Games are fine. Uh, so, let's, <laughs> games are fine. Let's, uh, let's talk about something slightly more exciting. By the time everyone hears this, Borderlands 3 will have finally come out. Hallelujah. And this podcast should be three or four people who are very excited about this. <laughs> but at the time of this recording, actually... Well. Only one of us have gotten to play it, and only for a little while, where it probably should have been a little different from that. Yes, it should have. So, so Carly, break, break this down for me. What, what in the hell happened? Well, according to 2K, they did not give, you know, every, you know, website or influencer that asked for a review code a review code because of, quote unquote, security concerns that they attribute to a leak that happened a little while ago. Um, what it seems like is that, you know, only a very small handful of publications got review codes. It was mostly U.S., but there were a few foreign language uh, publications that got them as well. Um, and they got them last week, as far as I know. 
um, for reviews that get published earlier this week. Um, and that was, that's the start of it all because there are tons of people from reputable publications, you know, us included, but I'm also talking about people from like, you know, like, um, I can't think right now. VG247 was another one that didn't get a review code. So like, it was just kind of arbitrary or at least seemed very arbitrary. I don't, I don't want to put blame on 2k for anything because i don't actually know what 2k was thinking um but it seemed very arbitrary i don't think 2k does either so that's cool yeah exactly i don't know i don't believe the security concern thing because none of it makes any sense like what if there were security concerns about leaks then wouldn't you just have everyone sign an nda which everyone signed anyway and if people have done tons of content like we have and other people have before the release then isn't that sign that we can be trusted with a review code i don't know i'm not 2k um and the second part of this is all the other weird stuff that has gone on um everyone else is getting their review code today which if if you've been paying attention and as we've said well, let's put. Well, this episode comes out on what Sunday, and we're recording this on a Thursday, so we got the co- the codes on this Thursday, um, which is not enough time to do a full review of the game because the game is supposed to be thirty plus hours long. And besides that, there's been weird stuff depending on platform. Um, in the Polygon review, they said they did not get a review code. For the game, but instead got a whole new Epic account with the game unlocked on it, and it was apparently uh, an unfinished build. It's an unfinished build that, because it is not actually attached to your account, 2K can pull at any yes. time. 2K can reach out to Epic and say, "Turn that account off," and then they don't have access to that game, which anymore. will probably at, at any time that can happen. Yes. Right. Um. And oh, absolutely. At, yeah, and as Jen can tell you. You know, she got an Xbox code, which works. I got a PC code, which does not unlock until 4 p.m. <laughs> Why? So we I have don't know. <laughs> so amazing. Multiple games being released on multiple platforms following entirely different rules for, let me check my notes here, no good reason. There, there are no functional <laughs> no. reasons to behave this way. Yeah, like like I've said, I cannot speak for 2K. They might have a billion reasons why they decided to do it this way. Um, and they can also do it this way because they're 2K. They they have enough power that they can do whatever they want and that and meet the media will basically do whatever they want because these are games that need to be reviewed and covered. Um, right. So, you know, 2K can do whatever it, whatever it wants. That's the power here. It's like when um, Bethesda decided it was going to do a, launch like launch review launch day review codes for not no real good reason <laughs> and they could do that because they're bethesda yeah i mean often the reason is because they're, they're, they know that the game isn't going to get all of the praise that they were hoping it was going to get that's not i'm not saying that that was the case here with 2k i'm just saying that it is it is frequent when you deal with larger publications uh that that when a or larger publishers that when a game is not given a ton of time 
leading up to it that they they kind of suspect that the the coverage of it isn't going to be extremely positive. Yeah, and I've worked in entertainment. It's the same deal with like movies and stuff. If there's no, there's not a lot of like screenings for a movie before release. It's more it's more more likely that the studio is trying to bury it. And it's just like for a game like Borderlands Three, which is arguably one of the biggest releases at the end of this year, minus maybe a couple of other games. Um, and 2K decided to do it this way. And of course, like publications and influencers and other kinds of media were going to get mad about this or at least be publicly very befuddled because nobody can do their jobs. And if they can, you know, you have people like Jen who have to basically crunch to get this game played and have a review out in a timely manner. It's my weekend. Yep. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like, this was a game that everyone that I have seen play at the preview events, like, already loved. Like, nobody came away from any of the, from either of the two preview events and had, like, negative things to say about the gameplay. Like, it was... It has, like, good reviews, too. They aren't bad. Right. It's, so it's, it's really just kind of an all-around confusing thing, and hopefully it's something that gets sorted out by 2K before too terribly long. Uh, but we do, Jen, you have been playing the game for a couple hours. I have minus uh, like two hours that I've been in meetings, but you know, it's fine. Uh, I'm level <laughs> seven, so not too far into it. But but you've already had some some pretty interesting takeaways, and you've obviously read all of the reviews that have been written by other folks. So yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about the game so far and, and kind of what you're expecting uh, as we move forward. Well, the beginning of the game, I think they've already. Uh, They've released it on YouTube before. People have played through it already. You start out on Pandora. You make your way to the the Holy Broadcast Center where the Calypso Twins are in Mouthpiece. Um, it's very, it's very similar. They have a lot of little quality of life changes that I really like. Um, when you open up chest, you no longer have to uh, like hold X to pick up the loot. It'll just automatically or pick up uh, like ammo and stuff. It'll automatically just go into your inventory. Uh, you can now refill all of, all of your ammo when you go to a, a vending machine. Uh, you can fast travel from anywhere, which is awesome. Uh, you can only fast travel to a fast travel station, but you can be anywhere and open up your map and travel to that station. So I really love that. Um, but it's it's pretty much more of the same plus quality of life changes. Uh, I don't like the UI or the 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 weapon inventory. I. It's never I didn't been like good. in Borderlands 2. I think they made it worse. No, it's they made it worse, and I don't know how. Well, what what about it makes it worse? It's hard to organize any of your weapons and actually see what you want to be comparing to. I don't even know. I have it pulled up. I don't think you can even... I don't know how to compare a gun now uh, unless I select A and, like, scroll through everything. I can't just compare, at least not that I've seen, to, like, a specific like if i want to compare a shotgun to a shotgun there's no quick way to do it um, oh like you're talking about like specs comparisons for the for the items yeah i know they introduced the score thing which allows you to kind of quickly compare things like you know in your inventory That's also what but I, I don't understand what the score is for i think it's just like an overall score of how good the weapon is i want to be able to start by rarity though and i, I can't do that i can only start by score I can sort by score, type, manufacturer, and that's it. I just, they have like two images side by side that I think is really wonky. 
Yeah, I've personally never cared about the manufacturer sorting. I know that different manufacturers no. have different uh, little tweaks and quirks, but generally that's not... You kind of memorize those pretty quickly, right? Yeah, plus it's like, I'm I'm still only going to go for the better gun. It doesn't matter if it's TDR or Jacob's gun, you know? Yeah. It's definitely uh, it's definitely an interesting way of, of setting up the the inventory system i think the the whole point behind the score if i remember the announcement was to to make it so that people who weren't going to like dive deep into the specs like you're like you want to do um could have an an at a glance way to to choose things but it also it doesn't feel like there's a there's an open translation right like there's no it, it doesn't tell you how the score gets made it doesn't tell you what about the what about the score is uh, significant? No, not at all. I, I don't know how they are defined, what makes up the score, and I have lower scored weapons that are better than higher scored weapons, so of the same type, like a sniper and a sniper. So, I don't know what that's useful for. Yeah, and also, like, I love going for elemental weapons, so like, it doesn't matter what the score is, I'm just gonna go for, you know, something that's got a good chance to, you know, put an enemy on fire. So the score yeah, exactly. is there. <laughs> How many people can I set on fire today? Exactly. And just like searching through all of it, they have like two images side by side and two columns. It just makes it seem cluttered. It's hard for me to pick out a specific weapon. Like it wasn't the first game. It was just a straight list of legendary to, well, if you sort it that way, legendary, uh, rare, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just really easy to quickly select the weapon. This one, not so much. And I don't like it. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, but but as far as like the general gameplay so far, it's pretty similar to the demos that you've done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the mantling and the knee sliding. It's really nice. But it's it's more of the same. It's more Borderlands. Knee sliding should be in every game. Yeah, it should. Um, so if you liked Borderlands 2, you're, I think you're going to like Borderlands 3. Cool. All right. So like the the knee sliding thing, is there, you know, I mean, obviously from from the videos, it was, you know, being able to to really quickly like slide into cover or, you know, get yourself in, in the middle of a, a set of combat. Where where have you found that most useful so far? Just in combat, like getting behind cover um, rocks and stuff. And it's just I, it's, it's just fun to use when I'm running and I just knee slide, run, knee slide. It's just useful. The first two games, you could only crouch and there's not much you can do when that happens. You just kind of like crawl on the ground and you, you you lose mobility. So I'm glad that they added that mobility to three. Cool. So is there anything anything else about the game so far based on the reviews or anything that you're you're not sure about as you're moving forward into the story? Because I remember one of the things you had said from a bunch of the reviews when you and I were talking was there were very few references from people writing the reviews to Handsome Jack. You know, where where do you see, you know, kind of the, the story so far? Right. I mean, he is not in the game, so I kind of expect that on one hand. But I also I want to know how the Calypso twins stack up to Handsome Jack, how they compare as villains. And from what I, I haven't read good things about the Calypso twins, I've heard they're just like generic, one dimensional, boring villains that you don't really care about. So I'll have to, I actually haven't met him yet in the game. I think I'm about to in like probably the next 30 minutes, but. I met them in my preview and I mean, I didn't get a good glimpse of them, but I found them to be 
not exactly one dimensional. Like they, I only got a glimpse of them as influencers, not really as characters. So maybe that's what people are talking about. Like how they kind of like lean in too much to this whole like influencer, like let's play, you know, instead of let's play. um, Yeah. But I found that kind of interesting, especially because, I mean, I got to talk to two of the writers on the game and I asked them kind of why they decided to go with influencers and they talked about it as kind of like a like a narrative thing where it's like we wanted to have villains that could unite all the villains of Pandora, the bandits, I mean, and it was a matter of, okay, how do we do this? Well, they literally run a, a, a video channel and they constantly have to keep upping themselves um, to keep their subscribers. <laughs> it's basically the same idea, right? And I didn't mind that as a concept, especially because it's like, it's 2019, you know, influencers and streamers are kind of a thing. And I wouldn't mind if people played with that a lot more in a cultural context. Although obviously, as I've mentioned, I was a little scared of that idea because it can very easily be into like these crazy kids and their crazy YouTubers. And I don't get it. (laughs) Is Borderlands the game to do it? I, I don't know. Yeah, so, like, again, I don't know how it all plays out, but I didn't mind it as an idea of, like, this is how they can amass a ton of followers very quickly. Um, Right. And it's why they, like, sort of start uh, messing with the Crimson Raiders, because, you know, it's a way for them to gain followers and to create hashtag content. And there's a part later... Um, I don't want to spoil it, but I got to it. And it's this idea that they, they're kind of separated from the violence. Um, they only really see it as a means to an end and the end is content. Um, so the violence doesn't actually mean anything to them. And I found that subtlety kind of interesting. Exact Again, I don't know where that goes. Um, I've only seen how it affects the Crimson Raiders on Pandora. So who knows? Maybe the reviewers are have a point when they say they're one dimensional because it doesn't really get more than that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we don't know because we I, did I not want, get like, some codes. backstory. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I just started it a couple hours ago. What do you want from me? Exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. So I mean, we're we're obviously going to have more to say about this. Yeah. Has Jen? Have have you just done like the broadcast center stuff or have you done other stuff on in the game? I'm just getting to it. I haven't met them yet. I just got I'm on Pandora still. I entered like that new area where the Holy Broadcast Center is. Mm-hmm. And then I had meetings to get to, so I just paused it. Fair. So, haven't uh, haven't played too much. I'm level 7. But Borderlands 3 is work. Uh it is. It is. So, I've got a question for Jennifer and Carly. So Go for it. I'm I'm ashamed to admit I've never played a Borderlands game. I've thought about picking it up multiple times, the the one and two and and the one in between there. So for people like me who've never played before and want to get into this game or considering getting into it, do you like have any tips or tricks or or ideas for what to expect from this game? Don't start with one. As much as I love the first game, don't don't get the first game. Mm-hmm. I agree. It, it's my favorite, but it's it they totally changed it up in two and that's two is more similar to what you're going to experience in three okay you don't really need anything in one no 
You don't need anything? No, it's like... Like, there's nothing from the story. Yeah, they bring characters back, but they... Oh, inter- so like the... St- oh, okay, so number two can be played on its own. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Actually just downloaded two, so I'll be probably be playing that one pretty soon. I mean, two is great, and Handsome Jack is, an, is a great villain. Um, and, yeah, like I said, anything that came over from one is pr- explained pretty well, so you don't really need it. Um, and then in regards to, like, the other games, like, the pre-sequel, I think, is fine. Like, it's, it's like, if you want more Borderlands and it's on, a, it's on a different locale, I think it's good. And you get to play, um, I've been playing it recently and I got to play uh, the Handsome Jack Duplicate as a, as a Vault Hunter. And it's really funny um, and great. Um, and then, but you can skip that and just go to Tales from the Borderlands because Tales from the Borderlands is the best. <laughs> Even though it's not technically a Borderlands game. <laughs> It's not, yeah, it's, it's a, a telltale game. So I don't want to say point and click, but yeah, it's a, it's a story. It's a story driven, uh, choice game. So there's not combat, but, uh, it's so the writing is amazing. The story's really good. The soundtrack's amazing. I, I can gush about tale. Probably available again now oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Cause, uh, who was it? got. Yeah. Yeah, someone saved it somehow. It's definitely around somewhere. Yeah, there's a lot I don't of... exactly know if it's on Steam or not, but it's somewhere. I would assume. Yeah. But it's definitely worth playing. It's my favorite. So I'm going to take a few minutes and talk about the one weird time that I got to be a pirate. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just strangely excited about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not something that a ton of people are going to get to play. It's a virtual reality game. Uh, it's available on all of the VR platforms, or at least it will be. I don't think it's actually on the Quest yet, but it's PlayStation VR and, uh, and Oculus and all those right now. Uh, it's called Battle Wake. Uh, Battle Wake is this bizarre game uh, that I didn't think was going to work. When it was being described to me, I thought this was a terrible idea, and I was ready to, to, to not be happy with it. You are a pirate on a pirate ship, and you are... Uh, it's naval combat. So, like, you, you take your pirate ship, and you go and you blow up other pirate ships, and uh, it's made by this company called Servios that does a lot of stuff with online gameplay. So the whole deal was being able to take your pirate ship and fight all of these other ships uh, in, in an online environment, kind of these huge, uh, you know, naval combat things. As they're pitching this to me. And the whole time in the back of my head, I'm thinking, people have enough trouble with nausea in VR when they're standing on the ground. And you want to put someone on a boat in the middle of a, a turbulent ocean. Like there are storms and all kinds of stuff, and like the boats are rocking around. It's like this is like I don't get sick in VR anymore. Like I've 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 uh I've I'm kind of immune to it by now, but like I I could just see people really, really reacting painfully to this. I put 15 people in the headset to make sure that it wasn't just me. Not a single person had a problem with this game. Okay. The 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 amazing combination of horizon line trickery that was done in the design. Uh, the ship is wide enough that you still feel like you're standing on something flat even when the ship is moving around. Uh, and there are some some rendering tricks that are done when the ship moves a lot, like when it violently tracks from one direction or another. Your your vision your field of vision actually narrows. Uh, to remind your brain that it, you're in a game, that it's not it's not real life, so it doesn't uh, it doesn't confuse your body. Um, so it does all of these things to make sure that nausea doesn't happen, and it worked. It was, it was like a surprise at how well it worked. 
so the gameplay, uh, no one uh, but the three of you can see my hands. Um, but the the gameplay, you're taking both your hands, uh, and you have one hand that is constantly on the the steering wheel of the ship. And on either side of you, there are these two big chains uh, for like rapidly turning. You can pull and it'll actually dredge the anchor in your ship and it'll allow you to turn in one direction or the other. Uh, And then when you're not doing one of those two things, you point with your hands and you can fire one of multiple weapons that are around you. Uh, to to be able to engage in this combat. And some of them are like the standard kind of cannon volleys. Uh, some are a little more um, like directional, almost like machine gun shooting. Uh, there's one uh, lady, she's like all purple and she's got these uh, crazy bright purple tattoos. Um, she's uh, um, She's got these huge fire cannons on the back of her ship. So if someone comes up really close behind you, you just turn around and you pull the trigger and just massive fire jets come out of the ship, which is really cool. And then each one of the characters has some kind of special ability, which is all magic, like not not based in actual naval combat. One summons a kraken, and the other has a giant tornado, and uh, you know crazy stuff that happens. Uh, all very fantasy, but it, it like it makes the game just that much more entertaining. Uh, and it's all online. Like there's a, there's a storyline that you play through really quickly. It's not like a long story, but the whole goal is to be able to take these weird fantasy super weapon pirate characters. Uh, and just beat everyone up online. And I, it worked so well. I was really surprised by how well it worked. I love that it's a fantasy. It's, it's super, super fantasy oriented. When you start off, uh, you're in like the, you're, you're in like the galley of your ship and there's a, there's a dude with a skeleton. There's, and the, the head pops off the skeleton and flies at you. And that's the guy that like navigates you through the game. Uh, so they right out of the box, they're like, yeah, this is an actual naval combat. This is just, this is just for fun, but it's super well done. All the characters are beautiful. The, the voice actors that did all of their individual stories is really cool. It was a lot of fun. Oh, there's individual stories. Yeah. So each character has an individual, like five or six quest story that they go through, uh, that kind of gives them some, a little bit of depth. Um, but then once you finish that, you kind of move on into the online campaign, and as you complete one, you gain the ability to unlock the other. So you, the, the goal is to play through all four of these stories uh, in order to unlock all the characters. But the gameplay is can be a little repetitive in the story mode, uh, especially in the early parts of those campaigns, because it's really just learning how your abilities work. And then using the, the goal is to very quickly offload you into the online gameplay. This sounds interesting. I wish I had a VR headset. Yeah, if you have a VR headset, this is, uh, this is a lot of fun. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And that is a, a thing that Servios does really well is subverting expectations and making the, the games a whole lot more fun. They uh, The other thing that they had done recently was um, uh, they've, they've done a whole bunch of stuff for like running and, and like music creation and, and all kinds of stuff. And then they've been doing partnerships with, uh, with HBO for... Uh, Westworld mm-hmm. and the Westworld game that they did I thought was going to be a go play a character in Westworld and shoot some stuff and be a cowboy and all that and it wasn't uh, you're actually it's a it's a it's a non uh, non action puzzle where you are like constantly running around trying to escape uh, different forces that were trying to kill you because you are one of the weird replicants that have escaped. Okay. Uh, and it was, it's super cool for, for Westworld fans, but it, it was like, it was very, very puzzly and, and all about, you know, kind of crouching in corners and running very quickly and uh, not any kind of violent shooty thing, which was not what I was expecting when they said, hey, we made a Westworld game. Uh, but when they do make a very violent game, it's going to come in the form of the Walking Dead game that they have coming out before too long. Uh, and that game is going to be tremendously violent when it comes out. So it's cool that they have this, this depth uh, to their portfolio. I really like it. Yeah, and I, I find it interesting with VR how people are trying different 
things instead of just the typical like shooty violence because VR is like, you know, you can do like shooting and things like that in VR, but it's much better when you're not. So I. Oh, totally. So I kind of enjoy how. Yeah. So I enjoy how people are trying like, well, there's magic now. And so you can use like these magic things instead. Or what's that? Uh, Russell, you were here with me when I played that game at GDC where like you can take someone's head off and throw it back at them. It was like very violent, but very kind of. Oh, Robo Recall. I don't think it was Robo Recall. It was something more like fantasy. No. It was something more like fantasy. Oh, no, I don't remember now. But like the the idea that like. But yes, there there have been several games where they're just like, go ahead and decapitate someone. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but the the idea is that like I think the VR space is trying new types of gameplay kind of faster than the typical game space, which I find very interesting. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really fascinating elements to to that entire thing. Uh the the the, the whole concept of immersion uh to to making the immersion part of the gameplay is is really compelling, but it also highlights uh especially with this game how uh how in line with uh, kind of normal uh, gameplay techniques a lot of these VR companies are, I really dig single-player games. Like, like give me 20 hours of something, and VR doesn't do a ton of that yet. Like, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're very much into the, you know, like, either the, either the quick-shot immersive experience, like stuff like Beat Saber, where they know you're going to play for five or ten minutes and then pass the headset off to someone else, or online stuff, where you're playing with friends and you're doing stuff with friends, and very much the Xbox experience, where you're, you know, you're doing a lot of focus on, on you know, kind of online intense gameplay. There's just not a lot of story, you know, narrative story driven stuff in VR because it's expensive. Like it's it's really, you know, to do 30 hours of anything in VR from a from a development perspective is tremendously expensive. And most people aren't paying those prices for games right now. Yeah. My other thought was like, do you think VR developers might be worried that people wouldn't want to spend that much time in VR because of like, you know, possible motion sickness or, you know, headset issues or like anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that that was true of this first generation of headsets. Uh, I think it's a lot easier now with stuff like the Quest and with the the Rift CV or the Rift um, S uh, and the stuff that we're getting soon with uh, with some of the new headsets from HTC. It's a lot easier to tweak the, the the stuff to make it easier on your eyes and to be able to to hold the headset for longer. So maybe that's something that will be addressed uh, as they move forward. But I, I do I do get that the first generation of these headsets. Uh, you know, wearing them for an hour was was work like it was, you know, it, it was fun. But, you know, you definitely felt it after that hour. So it, it makes sense that the games are built around that expectancy and not the, you know, I'm just going to play in VR all day because, you know, that's what crazy people like me do. <laughs> well, because I remember um, when VR like first started becoming like a thing with the Oculus Rift um, and I was like sort of writing about like immersion and like that. Sorry for cursing. Um, but I was talking to some people and it was like people are like, oh, VR is only going to do well if people can have experiences like Skyrim, but in VR or like, you know, things like not necessarily games, but like walking experiences or other kinds of experiences. And now they can. Yeah. But like this was, you know, years ago also. So I think things have yeah. kind of changed a bit in regards to like what we can expect from VR experiences. And I think like, for, for first of all, I think I don't know if it's just because I've been paying attention more. But I feel like VR finally has like stuff to do. Like there's finally like a ton of games to try out, um, especially in like the Oculus library and, you know, on Steam and things like that. Um, but I also think that like 
people have adjusted, you know, what people want from VR. And I think probably we'll probably start seeing much longer games because I feel like we've already started to see more story based stuff in VR already. Definitely. Yeah, it's 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 definitely something that we're we're seeing more of. And uh, I'm I'm hopeful as we move into the next year that, you know, the comfort of headsets makes that a little easier to to deal with, but also that it's something that, you know, more people are doing. We know that uh, not launching with the PlayStation 5, but likely uh, within the year after the launch of the PlayStation 5, Sony's going to revamp its headset uh, and hopefully yeah. include technology that didn't come from 2014. And then, uh, you know, it, hopefully we'll see that continue to grow. It doesn't seem hopefully like Microsoft's doing a whole too. lot. Wireless would be really nice. Yeah, please. That would be that would be super, super nice. That's my biggest uh, complaint about PSVR right now, just the 50 million wires I have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, because it has an entire separate box that's just for audio handling. Yep. A lot of people don't understand that that's what that box does. Is It's an audio processor. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, because spatial audio wasn't something that the uh, that the, the PS4 did at launch. So they had to add a, a special processor to handle spatial audio. Because without spatial audio, VR is a lot more, a lot less interesting. Yeah. Uh, so so that's that's all that box that connects to the PlayStation 4 is. So, so that box, at the very least, will not exist with the PlayStation 5. But uh, it would be really nice if it was wireless. Really, if all VR headsets were wireless. I mean, yeah, with the Oculus Quest, like, I mean, that thing is basically wireless. And it yeah. made me feel so much better when playing VR. And I feel like maybe other places will start to have competitors for the Oculus Quest. So hopefully that means more wireless headsets. Yeah, we're definitely getting more wireless headsets. HTC this week uh, announced the Vive Cosmos, uh, which is going to do something similar uh, and, and you know, kind of reach out into different markets. I like that the Quest has become as popular as it has, and Oculus is doing their dev conference in not quite two weeks, uh, a little, little over two weeks, um, that I will be there for to, to learn a little more about what they're planning to do next. But... Uh, but, you know, the last two years have been really cool for especially that kind of standalone VR feel. And I hope that that continues that trend. Same, because it it's so nice. All right. We are one week, almost exactly one week away from the launch of the Nintendo Switch Lite. That's going to be our last thing for this week, because we're actually not going to be able to talk about it during next week's podcast because we will not have had it yet. Uh, so let's get <laughs> it out of the way now. Rebecca, you've obviously ordered one. I've ordered one. And it feels like all of the people that I know who had not gotten the original Switch are, are like on board with getting this thing, both because it's slightly cheaper and because they know that Pokemon is coming. What do we want for this thing? Well, we're we're hoping for that it can actually, you know, handle a lot of the games that, you know, have caused problems before. Like, I'm not sure how well certain certain video games will actually run on it. So it's not as quite as going to be quite as powerful as the actual switch itself. I'm just hoping, honestly, I think my biggest fear with it is whether or not it's going to have Joy-Con drift issues. Cause you're not going to be able to like remove the joysticks if there's a problem. No, at least not nearly as easily as you would before. So we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens with that. Cause with the way that they're creating some of these cases for it and everything, I'm afraid that, when you put it in the case, it might bend the Joy-Con or the joysticks and, I don't know, cause premature drift. We'll, we'll have to see what happens with it. But I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a fun little thing, especially for people that prefer to play on the go. But uh, we'll just have to see what happens with that. 
All right, now, super important question. Which color did you go with? Oh, turquoise. Yeah? Yeah. I think I'm getting the yellow one. Uh, that one's fun, too. I don't think enough people are going to pick up the yellow one. I'm going to grab the bright yellow one. There needs to be a transparent one, but that's <laughs> oh, just me. That'd be cool. It's like those old boy... It's uh, like old yeah, school Game Boys game you can see right That's through. right. Yeah, gotta, gotta go classic. Give me... Uh, it could even be like a colored transparent shell. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be perfectly clear. I, I'd be down with like a, like a, a clear turquoise or... Uh, that that clear yellow the purple purple would be cool apple gave us a purple iphone 11 Mm -hmm. and then in all the renders it was like this deep purple like this really this really nice uh purple in all the renders and then we got to see photos of it up close and it's like this uh it's almost like the the pixel 3a where it's like this really faint uh kind of light lavender oh wait i was real bummed out because i thought it was like this deep purple and that is not what i got we need to bring back Game Boy Colors. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be all for that. I also want a Legend of Zelda Switch Switch Lite, you know, like. Everything? Everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, pretty much. Like, there's been a Legend of Zelda version of everything for the Switch. Or for, yeah, for for the DSs. They've done so many DS things oh, yeah. uh, over the years that were, uh, that were Zelda-themed. Uh, I suspect that they're not doing the limited edition to to because they're focusing on the the Pokemon Sword and Shield limited edition. Yeah, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm not super excited about because it's like it's like gray. And it's got the, it's just like the etching. Oh, of the, I don't like the design either. No, it's no it not doesn't good. look good at all. No. Like it's it's fine, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, not it's definitely special. not as exciting. Give me yeah. that. Uh, give me that emerald green. Yes, with yeah. the gold accents. With gold accents all over the place. Yes. Yeah. Or the or the new turquoise for the breath because that's my guess is they're probably going to release a Breath of the Wild style. Yeah, for the sequel. Yeah. Probably when it comes out. Yeah, that would be cool, especially since the like Breath of the Wild, <laughs> that Link is using a Switch for for everything. That's like, a good, yeah. The Sheikah Slate looks like a Nintendo <laughs> Switch. It does. Uh, yeah, they've got to make one of those. It is very, very funny. And the, the case uh, for if you got the collector's edition of Breath of the Wild, the, it came with a case for the Nintendo Switch that was the Sheikah Slate. And it, it just like it couldn't be more perfect, like the way that they designers are like, OK, so, yeah, why not just put the, that design on the back of the switch and uh, and just call it a day? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really curious about performance concerns. I'm not. I think it would be amazing if it's just the exact same processor inside and it performs exactly the same as the current Switch. I think that would be huge. Uh, it would make me really sad if there were actual performance differences between them, but I would totally get it. They they have to cut costs somewhere. Yeah, and there's going to be some, because, you know, it doesn't have motion controls in the Switch Lite, so certain games, like even Breath of the Wild, that in certain sections um, requires motion controls to get through some of the small dungeons and shrines they have. It's not going to be as as easy to play certain games that need motion controls. You'd still be able to do that if you were using the Pro Controller, um, but because it doesn't doesn't have the kickstand on the back like the original Switch, that makes it a little awkward. Uh, yeah. So I'm curious to see how cases go to resolve that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I also have some questions about heat. Uh, one of the cool things about the original Switch was uh, I, got, I pointed a thermal camera at the original Switch to see what happened when when it behaved in different heat things because it got it has an active fan in it to to dissipate heat and it all comes out of that uh, that top vent and I want to see if the the Switch light behaves the same way because it's designed to be entirely on the go so performance is going to be one of those big things and, and heat management is something that 
I, I think I just like playing with thermal cameras. I think that's what it really comes down to is I'm a giant child and I like to see <laughs> funny colors. So it's really cool looking though. So yeah. it's understandable. So we're going to, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, anything else switch light, Jen or Carly that you're particularly curious about? Um, like you said, I was interested in the performance stuff because I kind of want to pick up a switch light because currently my partner and I share a switch. Um, and he's got oh, like, no. you know, a no- <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But it's like, you know, I want my own, I think. It was like a test of my marriage to see. We got the switch right when Breath of the Wild came out and and it was a test of my love with my husband to see if we could share. <laughs> like, okay, I'm playing for six hours straight this Saturday. When is it my turn? Like. Just back and forth like that all. Don't it was you have terrible. a chore to do somewhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a life to live. Yeah. But now, you know, we, we have three. Yeah. <laughs> three switches. Yeah. Because that enough. helps, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, he he tends to play more Switch games anyway. So it's never been it's too much of an issue for me. Right. Um, but I kind of want to play Pokemon. So that's my concern, just Pokemon. I'm pretty sure our entire team is going to be playing Pokemon Sword and Shield when it comes out. That's going to yeah. be really oh, definitely. So, like, sorry if we don't cover PS4 stuff for the week. That's right. Turns out we're we're just Nintendo this week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Pokemon is very important. It crosses all boundaries, yeah. no matter platform. That's right. It's it is it's so true. It's also really funny. Uh, our Xbox guy Jez Corden um, will message me every once in a while and be like. I was really not excited about this game, but then did you see the T Pokemon? And I was like, yes, Jez, I did. It's like, I'm really excited about buying this game. Have you read the the description for that one? It says like, um, what's that one's called? Pulte Geist. Yeah. yeah. And it, it says that it lets you taste its tea, but its body's made up of tea. So I'm just like. Yeah, it's real weird. I'm not questioning it. I'm not <laughs> questioning it. We we learned a long time ago with the weird anteater Pokemon that slurped up the dreams of kids. We don't we don't ask yes, questions about uh, Pokemon. Yeah. Drowsy? Uh yeah. 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 Drowsy's actual description of how it works is it preys on children and slurps out their dreams. That's like, like Drifloon is supposed to to take children off into the uh-huh. forest and like They're yeah, all it's really creepy. weird. But yeah. Or like how Cubone is an orphan who wears the skull of its mom. Skull of its oh, mom. Yeah. yeah. That's not weird. creepy. And it's then like it when, it evolves, no, when it evolves, when it evolves, that skull is fused. Yeah. Like that that yep. helmet doesn't come off when it evolves. So like, I have questions, but I try really hard not to ask them. They sort of poke fun at it in Detective Pikachu. They where did. It's like, yep. In the beginning, yeah, in the beginning, Justice Smith is trying to like get a Pokemon and his friend's like, Cubone, it's like you, very sad. <laughs> <laughs> super sad well, they, and they also they they kind of danced around the whole uh where the the skull came from because i think the way that they phrase it they're like the skull of your dead relative and i was like no you say oh, mom okay you, yeah, it's yeah it's mom. you know exactly <laughs> yeah it's for the children we, we know it's children's uh, that was not a movie for children <laughs> no it wasn't it was fun, though. That was, like, we all joked when it came out. They were like, oh, they put Deadpool in a Pokemon uh, movie. And then you get to the end, you're like, no, they put Deadpool in a Pokemon movie. That was I, I should say, I've never seen Detective Pikachu, so. I, you would, I think you'd really like it. Oh, I know I it's would. Funny. I just haven't seen it yet. It's real good. It was yeah. very funny. Well, like, you know how video game movies are never good? Never good. Yeah. Nope, never I really like that good. one. Like, like, you know, like Mario Bros. But, like, yeah, this one, it's not, like, the best movie ever, but it's it's... It's good. Like, you won't walk away. Yeah, I know. I need to see it. Definitely yeah. add some points. Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, so we're going to call it for this week. We're going to do it a little earlier than uh, than we normally would because we all have Borderlands to go play. 
so Carly, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me talking about Borderlands 3 and Control and probably Death Stranding at Velociraptor on Twitter, which is just Velociraptor with an extra C. And Rebecca, where do people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, rrspear, uh, just posting mainly about the Switch, probably randomly my cat, you know. And Jen's not going to use Twitter for the next 72 hours, but in the event that she forgets, where are people going to find you, Jen? Uh, JenLock95 on Twitter, where, yeah, over the weekend, I'll probably be posting Borderlands. Excellent. I am at Russell Holly on everything. If you have any games that we have not talked about that you want us to talk about, or uh, if you want to yell at us for doing something that you think we did wrong, or you want to say something nice to us, which we have had other people do, just putting that out there. Yay. Uh, hit us up at uh, podcast at androidcentral.com and uh, we will definitely read those things. Uh, until next time, have a good one. Bye. See ya. See ya.